Bonjour and welcome to another episode of Street Focus, an ongoing exploration of urban photography. I'm your host, Valérie Jardin. Today is episode 81 already, and it's a new Q&A and street challenge episode. And I'm happy to have London-based street photographer Nicholas Gooden on the show. And after uh, answering a few questions, we will give the names of the winners of the last street challenge and announce a new one before giving our picks of the weeks and a few announcements. Welcome, Nicholas. How are you today? Hi, Valérie. I'm very good. Very good. Thank you. And, oh, uh, thank I you. love hearing my name pronounced the French way. <laughs> the right way. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm great. And thank you very much for having me on the show. Um, it's something I've been looking forward to for, for a while. Great. Well, I'm glad this worked out. It's always challenging. I mean, we're both very busy people and trying to find a time that works for both of us uh, is challenging. So please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your work. Right. So um, I'm a London-based street photographer, although I most of the time refer um, as what I shoot as urban photography. So it's not as limiting as street photography. Um, this is more sort of what I do on a daily basis. But um, of course, I'm, I'm a professional photographer. So to make a living, I also work with clients. Some of my street photography appeals to clients. So I've recently shot stuff for Match.com, for example, a series of street portraits of Londoners. Um, but I also create cinemagraphs for social media for brands. Um, I create content for brands um, to be used on social media. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that, actually. <laughs> um, well, I've done... In the past year, I've done quite a lot. I've worked with Adidas on a mm -hmm. campaign for the Rugby World Cup, uh, where I shot 20 uh, rugby union players in a studio doing some silly things and playing with balls and all that. Uh, um, and those images, they exclusively use for social media? Yeah, they are. I mean, they can be, um, in, in that um, context, they were, but they can, of course, be used for other things. Um, a lot of companies want Cinemagrass as uh, full-screen video backgrounds for their homepage. Uh -huh. uh, they work very well on that. Um, and some actually for billboard advertising as well, I've, although I've not actually had any commission for that yet. Um, most of what I do is for social media, and I think... As social media is one of my strengths, um, aside from photography, um, companies sort of like working with me. Uh, yeah, because so you understand the need. Um, yeah, I think I do. I, I understand part of the need anyway. Yeah. And so, and tell me about this project for Match.com. So, uh, they were street portraits? Yeah. So, I think as street photographers, very often a lot of people don't quite know how to make a living out of street photography. Um, but I think more and more brands turn towards street photography for the aspect of, you know, it's more real. People want mm -hmm. things that are more real nowadays, um, not, you know, overly photoshopped images, etc. So for Match.com, it was part of their campaign. They have a campaign with a hashtag, love your imperfections. Mm -hmm. um, and the whole point of this was to go out shoot Londoners, but, you know, actually asking them if I could shoot their portrait and getting them to sign a model release mm -hmm. um, and asking them at the same time to discuss their imperfections for it to be posted on the Match.com uh, Instagram and Twitter. Very interesting. Well, I may actually have you on the show again just to talk about that <laughs> and the experience because that sounds like a really fun project. 
it's challenging because yeah. I mean I won't go too much in detail, so you have me again on that show. Yeah. But um, but you know to get people to first talk about their imperfections is something yes. quite difficult, and to them for them to agree to be featured on a dating online dating um, you know social channel is pretty. Uh, I thought it would be very hard. Actually, it turned out to be to to be quite quite easy, and people were really playing playing along. Oh, that's good. Well, let's uh, <laughs> let's uh, find another time where we can uh, yeah, yeah, talk yeah. <laughs> about this more at length because I think it would be really interesting uh, to to find out more about that. Awesome. So, and how about your street photography? What are you mostly drawn to? Well, I try to um, to explore different aspects of street photography, but what I found in the past is. My my background is is mostly shooting urban landscapes before street photography. And I gradually moved towards street photography by incorporating people into my urban landscapes and gradually moving closer to people. What I find I like to shoot is more what I would consider as minimal street photography, mm -hmm. as in there are people in my photos, but often you don't even recognize people. Um, they can be shadows, they can be just a very small element of the photo itself. Yes. That's, that's one part of what I do where I focus a lot on the background. Um, I find, you know, colorful graffitis and things like that. Another part of what I do is sort of street portraits, but, you know, keeping it candid. Um, I did a whole series called The Great Londoners where I shot for about a year um, people in the street without them noticing, but very close and... Okay. Um, yeah, that's that's um, that's another thing I do. <laughs> Great. Well, that's awesome. And you also run a website. Of course. Yeah, um, uh, <laughs> I forgot to mention that. Um, two years, well, actually, two and a half years ago, I I set up Street Photography London, uh, which is a blog with a focus on on interviews, mm -hmm. um, and we just interview uh, street photographers. We try and really find talented street photographers but not necessarily always the most obvious or the most published mm -hmm. um, there are some of them that have of course been been quite published and are, are very recognizable but others that need a bit of a push um, that are very talented and um, so yeah we try and give them a hand but mostly because they are very talented Great. Well, that's what I tried to do on Street Focus, too, because mm. uh, you can't always have the big names on, you know, people already know them. So it's nice to discover yeah. new talent. And and yeah, and that's actually how we met uh, a year or two ago through the the mm. the your your blog. Yeah. So, so so on occasions, like, for example, when when I had you take part um, on occasions, we ask a generic question. For example, what makes great street photography yes. and ask uh, maybe 10 street photographers or 12, 15 to give us a short sort of answer uh, as to what makes great street photography in their eyes. And we compile this in an article. And it's nice because you get a, a sense of what different people think. Um, we're, not to, we're not there to impose a view on people. We just sort of gather different opinions and let, you, uh, let the readers decide what they uh, relate the most to. Yes, we'll have to put the link of that one because I remember that's the one I participated in, um, and uh, that was a that was a good article. Awesome. Well, let's uh, jump into our Q and A segment, and we have a few good questions today. The first one was sent uh, by Jim Lee via Twitter. 
And he asked, what, what are the best social media platforms to get your work seen? Um, use most of them or full effort on a select few? Uh, well, you're the social media guy, so there. <laughs> you can probably give us some uh, good information here. Yeah, I try to be the social media guy, but you have to really constantly um, stay in tune with the new things coming out. Yeah. And and I struggle at times, like everyone, I think. Um, I think you have to really identify what works best for you. Um, the best is to speak to different uh, photographers um, and test. But a mistake would be to take on everything and not really do anything, not not really pay particular attention to one or, or put all your efforts in one, you know. So if you're doing everything badly, it's not really that great. Better to maybe pick two or three or four, whatever you can manage, and do it better. Mm -hmm. um, in my case, um, it's funny because, for example, Facebook, I don't find Facebook works very well for me. But it seems that it works really well in the U.S., um, uh, a lot of U.S. Uh, photogra based photographers seem to, to swear by it. Yeah, well, from my experience, it used to be a lot better. Um, and I think now you're better off with just a personal wall and put your work there than a page. I have a page and the bigger your audience, the less visibility you have. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's crazy because I'm at about 11,000 um, fans, which is considerate, you know, I mean, yeah, considerable. Yeah. It took it took a few years to get to that number. And now sometimes and you have it, it shows the view. Yeah. Uh, sometime if it's a photograph, it will get maybe a thousand to fifteen hundred viewers, mm. possibly two thousand if there is a lot of interaction on it. If it's a link, sometime it only get like three or four hundred yeah. views. So all those the the 10,000 other people that are following my page do not even see that post. Oh, it's frustrating. It's very frustrating. I mean, it's free. So I guess, you know, we can't really complain. But um, and I think if you ever use the sponsor uh, f uh, feature on Facebook, which I have on occasion, like if I'm launching a new a new uh, workshop, for example, I'll I'll it's, and it's a really cheap form of advertising, but it's ex it's getting more and more expensive too. Yeah. So like for fifty dollars, only three thousand people who already are following your work will actually see that link, uh, and and then uh, you have to spend hundreds now for ten thousand people who are supposedly following your work to actually see your post. So, um, uh, so I've only used this a few times but it's it's you know i don't know if it's really worth yeah. it so it's really getting annoying <laughs> i think you're right in saying that um most people are interested in my work actually send me friend requests on my personal facebook mm -hmm. so i would say if you're going to focus on facebook maybe just don't necessarily focus on the page and just uh, just make your personal facebook if you're happy to do that uh, the one where people can see your work so that's for Facebook. And then, um, I mean, I work a lot um, on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter has been, for me, the, the, the main one. Um, I've put all my efforts in there. And I find it, I really find it great. I still find it great, even though there's been some changes. I don't think they've been as drastic as Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, but you have to be careful, I think, with Twitter, like any social media. So you don't just talk about yourself. You don't just post again and again and again the same links to your articles and to your website. Um, I try to really mix it up 
and share interesting articles or the work of other photographers, you know, mix it up. Once yeah. in a while, I incorporate, of course, I, I send a link to my own, you know, it's, it's for marketing. So for sure. Yeah. I don't know. I'm a Twitter for me. I, I'm not, I'm never on it. I just, it goes from Facebook to Twitter automatically. <laughs> that's my, yeah. that's the extent of my use with Twitter. Uh, maybe I need, neglected it a little too much. Yeah, it's there's always time to catch up on the next one, you know, on the next social media uh, uh, channel. Um, there's, I mean, Instagram is is the obvious one as well because mm -hmm. it's the most visual one, and and I don't get much much return from Instagram, but I do get some. Going back to Twitter, at one time I used to get about ninety percent of my paid work through Twitter. Wow, really? Yeah, wow, it, it was that's amazing. Just by tweeting. Tweeting the right way, always using an image, and, and you know you have to really craft properly your at the right times, etc. I used to get straight away emails from PR companies or from uh, uh, creative agencies or clients directly telling me, "Oh, I've seen what you've done here. Um, quite interested, etc." Mm -hmm. So, Very so good. that works. But you've got to you've got to try and have these people follow you to start with, because yeah. if if the the people that are going to give you some work are not following you, they're not going to see your work, not necessarily going to see your work unless it gets retweeted by others. But So I try and engage and get people to follow me that potentially could give me some work. Anyway, I mean, I could talk for hours about Twitter. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, Instagram, I, I'm, I'm new. Um, I've only been on it like about three months. But it's huge. I mean, it goes so fast. And it's like 3,000 followers in three months i mean that's huge it took years to get that on facebook so yeah. uh, i can see the benefit of instagram and it seems like there is they're not it's not limiting visibility of images but that could change too because isn't instagram with facebook now it's the same it's changing and i think actually it has changed already um it's it started about a month ago where um uh, the posts of people you follow don't appear in chronological order oh. it's by Basically, Instagram decides what they think you will find the most interesting. Really? Wow. Yeah, which, which, which follows what Facebook does. And uh, it's a bit annoying, and, uh, but it hasn't really affected the, num the interest I get in the photos I post. So yeah. for now, I'm okay. Um, and, and another one I think we need to focus on is, is more sort of video-based. So there's both Snapchat and Periscope. Really? So, yeah, I don't do either one of those, but no. <laughs> I have some good friends who do and swear by them. So what are your, what's your experience? I don't actually. Um, I tried Periscope. Um, I thought Periscope could be really because, you know, you can live pro broadcast mm -hmm. whatever you're doing. So that could be great. You know, if, for example, you're, uh, if you have the right followers, again, people that will be interested in what you're broadcasting, uh, you could broadcast your workflow on you know photoshop um you know how to edit particularly uh, some some photos or maybe even broadcast how you go out uh, and about and how you ask people maybe to take their photos if your your thing mm -hmm. is to do street portraits you can broadcast and and that's pretty cool um I've 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 not really used it. I've used it a couple of times to broadcast fireworks in my uh, <laughs> yeah. in my area. Um, I just don't have the time for for all of it. So it'd be great to do it. Snapchat apparently is huge for marketing. I still same thing. I haven't jumped on it yet. I really need to, but we'll see. Maybe in the coming year. 
Yeah. And then Google Plus has lost a lot of steam. Yeah. Yeah. I never I never got got it. I never got Google Plus. I did um use it a bit. Um but I never got really much traction from it and uh, and apparently it's quite kind of the efforts that Google put into it and all that have been dropped or something I heard recently. So yeah, and a lot of people left left Facebook for Google Plus, and and then uh, well, then they realized maybe that wasn't a smart move. Yeah, there is. I mean, there is definitely a lot of people. There are a lot of people posting on Google Plus, and when I post articles on there, you know, if you post them to the right communities, etc. You can get quite a lot of uh, of visits and readership, but um, I know I never put that much effort into it. Again, it's just a, a matter. I think going back to which to choose and where to put your effort is about whatever you can manage. And I can really just manage Twitter and Instagram very well. The rest is a bit on the side. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and I, I really do think that it's best to do less, but better because yeah. then there is the interaction i mean it's so time consuming in a day just to respond to people on instagram and facebook and uh and and the messages that come and and the emails and um that uh yeah you can't spread yourself too thin and i and that's something that you can't i mean i'm like we were talking about that before we started recording how you know it's like how do you simplify your life and uh and I feel like as a creative, social media is really not the thing that you want to hand out to somebody else. I think your personality really shows through. It's important that you do that yourself. There are other things that, you know, you can have some um, some help uh, through um, uh, assistant or um, how do you call them? A virtual assistant uh, to do some, some of your task uh, to simplify your workload. But social media, I think, is the one that really the Absolutely. creative should be doing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And not just creative. I mean, some companies um, change uh, from having someone in-house handing their social media to an agency handing their social media. Mm -hmm. And from one day to another, the people that they were engaging with are suddenly ignored because the new person handling it doesn't know them. So yeah. just... It's it can be a nightmare for some companies, and uh, you got to be careful. Well, it's, it's yeah, it's the same as in everything else. I mean, even yeah. even working with actual assistants, you know, whether you're teaching a workshop or yeah. you're um, you on a photo shoot, they're never going to give as much as you because it's your brand, and you can exactly. only represent yourself the best. So. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, uh, Jim, I hope this answered uh, your question. You know, this uh, I, I would definitely, as as uh, Nicholas was saying, you know, do do fewer but better uh, versus trying to just spread yourself too thin, um, because it's really the interaction that makes a difference, and that's time consuming enough. I um, just to finish on my side anyway uh, on this question. I spend about two hours a day on social media, which is. You know, it's a, it's a huge. hell of a lot of time and I don't want to spend more time than that. <laughs> yeah, I know. See, I, I'm back and forth a lot. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I, I don't even want to know how much that amounts to actually. <laughs> yeah, I say two hours, but um, it's a it's a guesstimate. Really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, crazy. Well, on the other hand, you know, it's free advertising and yeah. it's a good way to show your work. It's sure, but, but then again, it's harder to stand out today in the crowd than it used to be. So it has some, some good and some bad. 
for sure. Great. Okay. All right. Question number two. Do you want to read it? I left that one for you because it's really long. <laughs> yeah, it's a long one, and I had to practice a bit. My brain is a bit tired at the end of the day, so. Uh, <laughs> So we have a, a question via email uh, from Andrew Hyde. Uh, Andrew's saying that, uh, saying, I'm really enjoying your podcast. Uh, they're the perfect commuting companion and a great photography fix first thing in the morning. Today, for the first time ever, I return home with only one picture taken after a two-hour photo walk through my closest city, Cardiff. And that one picture will never leave Lightroom. I can usually see a new I can usually see new in the familiar, but today I seem to be in the wrong place at the wrong time and with the wrong angles. Came home with loads of mental snaps, but no actual pictures taken worth keeping. Just wondered if that's happened to others, how they felt or recovered. Has it even caused people to really question their photography abilities and put them off getting back out there and take more pictures? Um, I'm taking the attitude that I need to quickly get back on the horse that's bolted. And um, no, it's a one-off uh, please keep up the good work. I'm enjoying the show very much. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you, Andrew, for um, for listening to Street Focus. And uh, this happens to all of us. Um, and um, and yeah, it can be discouraging, for sure. Uh, I mean, but to me, it's or it's never a fail. Whenever I'm out there, even if I come out, come back empty, I learn something. And, um, and, and it's more, to me, it's more about the experience than it is about the resulting image. I mean, I, it's like the experience of being out there in the zone on the street is what I live for. And the result, a, a keeper at the end of the photo walk is the cherry on the cake. Um, so there'll be, there'll be some awesome days. There'll be some, some bad days, but no matter what, as long as you're out there, you're learning to see. And it's always, you know, it's always a learning experience. Um, and I could talk about that forever too. Nicholas, that's happened to you as well, right? Happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it happens all the time um, and doesn't seem to happen less um, after years of, of shooting. Um, but I think actually Andrew, through his question, today inspired me to write a blog um, which uh, should be published soon uh, okay, in well. F-Stoppers. So thank you very much, Andrew. <laughs> um, and, and the blog is about doubt, yeah. which is what you, um, what you mentioned in your, uh, you know, you doubt your photography abilities. Um, and I think what's important is that you're actually able to, to determine that you've come back with no good picture. Yeah. Which is very important. It's very important because a lot of people in the same situation would have come back with the same photos you took um, and would have published 10. Mm -hmm. So it actually shows that you're very selective in the photos that you decide to publish, that you decide are good enough. True. And it's about being discerning. And there's that's really one thing that people need to, to mm. learn is to be more discerning in, uh, in, in their work. I think uh, you know your your calling your it's called the calling process really is you know which ones you keep and uh, that's that's very important and doubt is also something that pushes you. Um, I think if you're self satisfied, um, you'll never you, you won't keep progressing. Um, with doubt, you'll just keep pushing yourself and hopefully, I mean, I hope that I keep doubting all my life because that's what pushes me. Doubt mixed with passion is really very powerful. That's a very good point. I love that doubt 
mixed with passion is very powerful. Well, I'll have to quote you on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I think actually, as you, the the longer you're into, you're in this genre of photography, the more, the harder you're going to be on yourself, the more you're going to challenge mm. yourself. So the the fewer keepers you're going to have at the end of the day. It only makes sense. I mean, when you're up there and you just shoot every everyone and anyone and everyone on the street, everything seems like a story. Then you end, you have dozens of pictures. But as you get better at it, you'll you'll realize that there are fewer pictures out there that are worth that are telling a story and that are worth showing. Exactly. And, and we rely a lot on what's happening in the street. You can't stage it. Mm -hmm. So, so no, it's no point being too harsh on yourself. Just, um, just keep shooting. Yeah. I mean, a, a, a good picture that you feel you can show after one day of walking the street, that is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, maybe a handful in a year that you would actually feel are print worthy. That would be pretty good too, um, and more than most people. So uh, I think people have to reset their expectations. And I think that's usually new photo new street photographers have have to reset their expectations if they are used to shooting other genres of photography where the keeper rate is much higher. I mean, if you're on a tripod, you know, and a beautiful vista. And uh, you have time to wait for the perfect light. Yes, you'll probably end up with more keepers than on a day of shooting on the streets. I mean, it just makes sense. You have so little control. No, absolutely. And um, well, it's um, it's also what makes it exciting. Yes. When when you do get a keeper, you know you've you've, you've struggled, and you know you've uh, yeah you've been very frustrated on many occasions, and yeah, it makes it that more rewarding. Yeah. For sure. So, um, yep. Just uh, Andrew, just keep keep at it, and just and I know sometimes it gets boring to be in the same the same city, you know, day in and day out. Uh, but you know, some maybe mix it mix it up a little bit. Do work with a theme in mind that often spices up your your photo walk, or work on a special project. Um, whether it's uh, you know document somebody. Um, somebody in in your city we actually the last q a um we talked about that you know go to the fire department and do more of a reportage of uh of of the the firefighters um you know as they're you know at rest and then setting up to go and and do some some storytelling images in a series so just just get out there and give yourself some assignments to keep it exciting too Yeah, there's there's lots of them. I mean, I I have a list of ideas of projects. I hardly ever put them to, uh, I I hardly ever uh, they hardly ever materialize. But I have great ideas. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and that's good because you never know. I, yeah, exactly. Uh, one 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 I wanted to do was to um, there's you know lots of off license. We call them off license. I don't know if you call them in like that in America, but it's your local shop that sells you know uh, beers and and milk and things that you need last minute just next to your house you know oh yes well here um, it depends on the state here you can't have alcohol i mean oh, yeah. alcohol has to be in a separate store <laughs> so, sort of your local convenience store I yeah guess. the convenience store yeah. and i think that would make um, uh, 
quite a good series, you know, of shooting the people behind the till, usually the owners, maybe shoot the shop as well and get a bit of their story. And, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's limitless. There are so many, so many, <laughs> so many stories to tell, so many projects. Um, so sometimes instead of going, I mean, I, I love going out empty and just let the streets surprise me. Yeah. But when you're in the same city, I mean, and I'm lucky I travel a lot, so I have mm. the luxury of being able to do that. But when you're in the same city over and over and over again, I think, you know, going going out with a theme or a project in mind will definitely keep it a little more exciting. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Uh, third question came to us via Instagram from Rockport27. And he asked, do you shoot raw only or does it depend on the mood? Okay. Right. Well, Nicholas. that's that, that's a question where, well, actually, I've got no shame in saying that really when I shoot um, anything that is not for a client, um, I shoot in JPEG. Mm -hmm. um, I only shoot raw for clients. And I think when it comes to street photography, personally, anyway, I mean, a lot of people might be banging their heads right now and think, oh, what an amateur, etc. And oh. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> People say uh, that say that you know if you're not looking through yeah. a viewfinder, <laughs> you lose. So exactly. who cares? <laughs> Whatever suits you. Yeah, uh, that's my opinion anyway. You know, um, and in street photography, I don't post process my photos. I mean, I I really nowadays I really try and get my photos that I'm happy with straight away, or it's really minor post processing, and mm -hmm. I think raw really has. Uh, its biggest use is when you're going to to really do quite a lot of post processing and try and and get back those uh, uh, those shadows or those highlights etc. And I I just don't feel the need and these are huge files so no I just stick to my JPEGs and I'm and I'm and I'm happy with that. Yep, I uh, totally agree. And uh, what do you shoot with, by the way? People will probably be wondering by now. Um, I shoot with two cameras really. Um, for my client jobs, so I'm an, I'm an Olympus ambassador. Um, so hopefully Olympus is not listening because I'm also using a Sony camera. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I use a Sony a7R II for my client jobs. Mm -hmm. Because, for example, when I do cinemagraphs, um, I need to shoot a little bit of video and 4K and Olympus doesn't do 4K. And that's a full frame camera right? uh, so it's a full frame camera mm -hmm. so it, it's got lots of benefits including yeah. mostly shooting in low light Sh um, the the quality of the photos in low light um, it works very well in high ISO it's, it's incredible um, but that's that's really for these things so either for clients or for low light shooting but every day when I walk the streets um, I can't carry the a7r2 it's just way too big the lenses are big and it's heavy it's a mirrorless camera but it's it defies the it goes against the whole point of a mirrorless camera it's heavy it's loud it's it's big um, I don't really enjoy it in the street so I shoot with the new Olympus pen F mm -hmm. um, and I like I really like it it's small um, it's light and there's lots of options to sort of customize the look of your black and white, um, the look of your color. You can change the saturation, uh, lots, 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 lots of fine tuning, which suits me because I don't really, I shoot JPEG, so. Um. Yeah. And as for me, I, I used to shoot raw um, or, and then slowly moved to JPEG. 
uh, with Fujifilm because their film simulations are so awesome that I can't even replicate it, you know, <laughs> from a raw file. Anyway, so why would I want to? It's there already and it's perfect. So now I'm pretty much 100% JPEG as well. Um, and I really love the the film simulation of, of Fujifilm. I mean, yeah. the the... The black and white filters are amazing. And the for color of the new classic chrome, I just love it. I'm not a big color fan, but um gotta gotta love the classic chrome. Don't take my classic chrome away. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, yeah. You always wonder, you know, the next model, if ever you to get the next model, you know. Yeah. This one they, is they, a is a big uh, was a big deal. So I think it's I hope it's there to stay. Uh so and then we could do the film simulation bracketing, which is so much fun too. So you could take one picture and you can decide, okay, I'm gonna want this one in classic chrome and black and white yellow filter, black and white that's great. You know, green filter, whatever. So you take one picture and you have the choice of three. And uh so that's awesome for days when you're not too sure what you want or you want to try different things. I usually know before I press the shutter if it's going to be a color shot or black and white so I usually keep it uh change it accordingly but yeah. uh and I love that actually I love limiting myself okay oh this is going to be a great color shot I switch it to um to classic chrome or or if I feel because it's going to be I'm going to shoot only black and white I put a jpeg black and white you know with yellow filter at a little contrast and I'm good to go um why this spend is how I yeah, this, yeah. sorry no, go ahead. So why spend time in post-processing well. when yeah. it comes out, you know, perfectly good from the camera? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I decide as well um, before I press the shutter whether it's going to be a color or black and white shot. The The new Pen F is really good for that because it has this sort of very quick swap. So you can very quickly swap from color to black and white. Um, and it also has a bit like you mentioned on, on, with Fuji. It also has the kind of uh, film simulations that you can tweak as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm just happy with that. I, I don't overcomplicate things, and I really want to try and minimize the time I spend in front of a computer yeah. working on my photos. Because, as I said earlier, when we before we started the uh, the chat, um, I'm trying to find ways to, you know, to just free up a bit of time and. Yeah. Spending less time in front of Photoshop is one for me. <laughs> That's right. Now, do you work on Photoshop or Lightroom? Yeah, in Photoshop, just because I've been using it since uh, the first version, something like 20 okay. years ago. So you know it so well. And I know it so well. And I see no point trying to learn Lightroom. And actually, I tried a bit and I was very frustrated. Oh, really? You know, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not very good with change, I guess. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. <laughs> exactly. Why change when Photoshop works perfectly fine for me? And... That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm Lightroom and I'm completely lost in Photoshop now. I used to yeah. use it before Lightroom came, but I abandoned it quite fast and never yeah. missed it. So whatever works for you. But yeah, a few seconds per picture. That's that's about it. You know, straightened yeah. it a little bit uh, if necessary or add a little contrast if it wasn't there when you, you know, in yeah. camera. And that's that's it. And good to go. It's nothing you can do that's going to make turn a, a bad picture into a good one. So um Exactly. <laughs> and, I, and I used to think that, you know, in when, when I started shooting and I used to spend so much time, so much time on Photoshop um, and nowadays hardly any. So. And, and, and sometimes it's necessary. And that's probably why we're, we're not landscape photographers, because we don't yeah. want to spend too much time. Um, right. Yeah, I, I used to shoot commercially, so I needed to spend 
uh, time in, in post-processing. And that's not the part that I enjoyed. I, after a while, I actually handed that to somebody who just did that uh, because I just, uh, to me, that was a waste of my time. That's not what I wanted to, to be doing. I wanted to be out shooting. Uh, but now that I only shoot for myself and mostly street photography, I really mm. don't need to spend much time at all. So it's it's awesome. Yeah, I've got to say, I'm very... Um... I'm very selective. You know, when I started working commercially, um, I would have given anything. I would have given a kidney so that uh, I could work with some big brand. But now I'm really very selective and I turn away a lot of work because I just don't feel I want to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah. it's going to require, it's going to, I get contacted for the, the most random things, really. I mean, I'm a street photographer, urban photographer, and lots of people ask me to do studio stuff, etc. And it's, uh, um, I just don't do it. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, at first, I think we all have to start somewhere and you tend to just take whatever comes yeah. your way because you have to. Yeah. But that's how you learn what you love to do and not. And chances are you're going to excel at what you enjoy doing a lot better than at what you push yourself to do because you need the money yeah. and so um once you with the experience then then be selective and that's where your work will shine and i got into photography to get out of working in an office uh-huh. so <laughs> yeah. you know photography is my passion my love and i don't want it to become exactly what i hated before i was in photography so yeah so true yeah that's that's good i mean that's uh that's that's good that you know that because uh, you know a lot of people just um, like so a lot of people ask me why don't you take any more commercial jobs you know I mean I turn I it's been years now but I still get requests and I'm sure. I said no I I don't want to it's, I made a choice and I'm happy with my choice and and I'm living my dream and yes I could uh, I could be greedy and take commercial jobs on you know. I don't know where I'd fit them into my schedule today, but um, but it's I I wouldn't enjoy it, and I would start hating what I'm doing, and I sure don't want to get to the point where I I'm tired of you know I I don't want to get to the point where it's a chore to go out with the camera. And exactly, I think when it becomes or... like this, you, when it gets to that point, you have to really reconsider things. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. So um, I think it's. Um, it's it's good to know what what you're good at and stick to stick it. Stick to it. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Okay, well those were good questions. Thank you everyone and uh now we are going to announce the winners of the last street challenge which was street portraits, environmental portraits. So they were portraits and we we explained on the show that they involved an interaction didn't mean you know a a conversation necessarily but the subject had to know you were taking their picture Uh, but also leave some of the you know have some sense of place or um, some of the some of the street or the environment showing in the picture as well so a sense of place uh, was important so Nicholas who was your pick okay I think so it was Yuri Nizan. It was it was quite a, a tough choice. There was a, a, a few very good uh, submissions. Um, I've got a thing for color photography at the moment. Um, I think I've shot way too much black and white recently, so uh, it appealed to me uh, with its use of color. Um, it's a very positive image as well. It's quite uh, quite a cheerful image. Um, 
And again, as you said, it, it sort of really puts the subject in its environment. You sort of, you know, you it, it's not too focused closely on the subject. Um, you can really identify the environment. Yeah, it's just generally generally a good shot. Good. Uh, yes. Um, nice. Nice shot by uh, Yuri. And I picked a photograph by Keith Johnson, and it's titled Istanbul Shoeshine. Um, well, it was really the prime example of an environmental portrait. You you have the man um, sitting on the street by um, against a wall, and um, and then the shoes and everything. So you 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 have a sense of place from the the background and uh, you see what he's doing so it wasn't a close-up portrait that was really a an environmental street portrait um I wasn't too fond on the post processing it was kind of a sepia tone I'm not too too fond of that I think uh it might have been you know a really good color shot or maybe black and white maybe the color was just too powerful um but i would have been nice to see uh, to see it in color as well because i know uh, istanbul is quite a colorful city but uh but it was a a great portrait because that was just a typical you know a uh, environmental portrait of um of somebody working on the street so uh congratulations both yuri and keith will receive an ebook of their choice from our friends at rockynook.com great uh next street challenge that's one we had several months ago probably a year and a half ago now and it's humor on the streets um deadline to enter in the comment section of this episode which is street focus 81 uh deadline is april 28 so humor on the streets easier said than done right nicholas absolutely uh that's that's probably one of the prime things i look for i really really enjoy you know shooting uh uh well, something uh, humorous situation, but you know, it just doesn't uh, doesn't happen just like that uh, using a magic wand. So. No, and it's uh, it's tough. It might be the toughest challenge out there because um, it happens it happens very quickly <laughs> usually, and uh, and also there is humor and there is ridicule, and uh, and I always remind my student that you know yeah. don't make fun of people. Don't. Yeah. Don't photograph people in an embarrassing situation because you think it's funny. That's disrespectful. And uh, so I'd like you to kind of, you know, think about that when you go out on the street or when you decide to post one of your um, humor picture. Just picture it as the, the feature photograph, you know, at the end of a, a newspaper that brings a smile to your face. It's not, not usually roll on the floor funny. It's usually just brings a smile. So pets are really, dogs make awesome subjects on the streets for uh for humor think of um of situations oh do you have some examples that come to mind um well i don't know uh, i think in england we're very uh, very fortunate because the english are just a very funny people mm-hmm. um and the seaside I, i know by the seaside there's always some funny situations you know people yes. eating ice creams and having ice cream all over them and you yeah. know, just yeah. just little little accidents in the street um nothing but uh, again as you said definitely not mocking people it's it's a very very fine line it's a, it's a difficult one sometimes you know we all make, make mistakes 
to sometimes cross it uh, yeah. is whether we decide to publish those <laughs> or not. Exactly. And and also um, different cultures will have a different definition of humor. And yeah. so that's so use your best judgment. Um, there is there there is humor everywhere. It's just it's not an easy thing to to photograph because uh, I mean, things already happen fast on the street. So to see a humorous situation and be be prepared to immortalize it but find some spots that could uh, lead to a situation that may be funny you know find a, a, a billboard or something and wait for the right subject to enter the frame and there's going to be a, a connection between the subject and the billboard that could be funny so, That's a great so idea. think of that too um uh I, i've done that uh recently actually um like it was in Chinatown in San Francisco and there was this giant dragon um, mural. And uh, if you waited for people to, to walk through, it looked like they were going to be eaten by that dragon. So, you know, it, it it's subtle, it's fun, but it's not hilarious. You know, that's kind of the humor we're looking for. Think Martin Parr, think uh, Elliot Erwitt, um, you know, look at their work for some inspiration. Um, Elliot Erwitt has used dogs in his street photography a lot in amazing, I mean, in, in really funny situations. So uh, get some inspiration, just to check out his work. And then Martin Parr, you know, the seaside in England. Um, lots of funny situations. He's, he's definitely excellent at uh, all the social observation. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I'm looking forward to, just like last time, I just really uh, loved looking at the entries. So Humor on the Streets, enter on Street Focus uh, number 81. Deadline is April 28. And we'll pick two winners. Awesome. Picks of the week. Nicholas, what uh, what do you have for us? Yeah, um, well, actually, at the moment, um, I'm trying to spend a bit less time uh, on the Internet. Uh, so I'm really going into books. I'm reading books. Um, I've not just started. I've been reading books all my life. But um, I'm reading two books at the moment. Um, Don McCullin. Um, I'm sure most of you know who Don McCullin is, but you know he's a very famous war photographer. Um, and his book, a newly released book called Unreasonable Behavior, which mm -hmm. is pretty much um, an autobiography. And this guy's seen... I mean, he's had a very eventful life um, from a very young age, and he's seen he's been through most of the the biggest wars um, of our times. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a fantastic book, um, fantastic book. Uh, quite tough, quite uh -huh. tough. Be prepared; it's uh, it's not always easy to read. Um, and another book I'm reading is by Rudd Judkins, and it's called The Art of Creative Thinking. Um, and that's um, it's just a, a book to help you, you know, sort of understand a little bit the uh, how to how to think creatively. Um, what are the barriers uh, to creative thinking? Um, what helps creative thinking, etc. It's it's just a very easy easy to read book, um, and it takes a lot of examples of the uh, biggest creative minds in the world uh, through history. Um, oh, that sounds and, really good. I'm gonna yeah, order it. How, how they uh, how they succeeded and how they uh, went against convention. Excellent, excellent choice. Yeah, I usually try to have two books too all the time. I read usually a novel, yeah. and then a photography related. 
book or about you know creative life or whatever uh as well so um and same as i don't watch tv but i try to put that tv time into reading instead uh otherwise you just can't fit it all in a day (laughs) (laughs) i know definitely but uh yeah i try to stay a bit away from from the internet at the moment it's my 2016 resolution like we all make um just spending a bit less time reading articles online etc and it's it's quite good you know <laughs> that's good well good luck with that i made the same resolution i think the past 3 years <laughs> i haven't been very good at yeah at, uh, sticking to it but uh, well it's only april so we'll mm. see maybe i'll there's still a time to uh, to do better mm. and stay away from uh, it's it's the phone that actually you know if i could just live without my iphone i'd probably have more time but I can't. It's my office when I'm not in the office. And yeah. but it feels like I never disconnect. And that's uh, and I, I, I'm saying that as I'm about to get an Apple Watch. I'm not sure if this <laughs> is the right move. <laughs> no, no, it's not but I'm thinking, well, you know, then I won't be as much time. I won't be spending as much time on the phone. I can see if the messages are important and they need to be t- attended to right away or not then i can leave the phone in the bag instead of having it in my pocket that's kind of the thinking behind it that maybe it will actually free me a little more you'll have to let me know how you get on with that okay i will (laughs) (laughs) and uh, my pick of the week is actually um well you all know about the out of chicago conference uh i'm attending again this year that's in june i think it's almost full so if you want a spot at the out of chicago and uh, so last weekend in June, I believe, I don't have the dates in mind, but I'll be there uh, again this year. It's awesome, awesome, awesome. And uh, Chris Smith, who is the founder of the Out of Chicago Conference, has just launched a new conference for this year, and it will be in New York City. Very exciting. And we we're going to be in the heart of Manhattan, um, and it's the Out of New York Photo Conference. And will be October 14 and 15 of 2016 this year. I will be there on the 15th only one day, but I'll be there to present and lead some photo walks. And the best part, it's only $349 to attend the conference. And today I can give you a code to get $100 off, $100 off. So it brings the price down to 249 for a two-day conference. So it's it's pretty amazing. Lots of lots of uh, great people coming and it's small enough that you get you get to interact with everyone. Um, lots of energy. So by entering the code Jardin, which is my last name, J A R D I N 100, the number, Jardin 100, you will get three you'll get $100 off um the $100 off the tuition and uh oh boy the out of uh, New York <laughs> uh, <laughs> a website I thought I had hide it on my notes but I don't just a second and I will find it right away here it is uh it's out of New York.com as simple as that okay out of New York.com um and enter the code jardin 100 for a hundred dollars off great uh any announcement nicholas anything happening that you want to talk about um i've got quite a lot um happening yes uh i've got a very 
a good interview uh, coming soon on Street Photography London with um, Street Hunters, who I know you know, uh, with Spiros and uh, the other guys. So they'll be featured on streetphotographylondon.co.uk very soon. Spiros is a great guy. He's been on the show a couple times, and uh, yeah, 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 I I saw that. I saw that, and uh, now he's he's a he's a lovely guy. Um, yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. And also, uh, we will be launching a competition very soon on streetphotographylondon.co.uk with I am um, the photography uh, community. Um, and there'll be a, a pen F by Olympus to win. Wow, so that's that's a pretty it's exciting a big, prize. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a well, I think it's a big prize. It's a cool prize. But, yeah. Um, so that'll be announced very soon as well. So um, just follow us um, on Twitter to um, to find out more. Great. And I have a couple of announcements as well. There is a new photo street photography festival this year in San Francisco, and that will be June 8 to the 12th. I cannot attend this year because I was notified too late. I would have loved to, but I'm already running a workshop that weekend that filled up uh, a long time ago. So, um, streetphoto.org and that's photo f-o-t-o streetphoto.org for more information it's the first san francisco street photography festival june 8th to the 12th and uh looks like a lot of fun lots of energy in san francisco always great place for for street photography so i hope that a lot of you can check it out and uh and sign up and in case you missed uh street focus 80 previous episode i will be the juror of an international call for entry in street photography and uh the the theme is meet me downtown and you'll find the link on street focus on the street focus show notes and uh it started um on march 31st and will close may 1st um and you can listen to episode 80 for a lot more information uh, Nicholas, where can people go see what you're doing and your work and so forth? Yeah, um, so for the Street Photography London blog, uh, where we feature interviews of um, all sorts of street photographers, talented ones, um, you can go to streetphotographylondon.co.uk. Mm -hmm. Streetphotographylondon.co.uk. And for my own work, um, it's a bit of a mouthful, my uh, my URL to my website. So <laughs> something I need to change one day. You know, you, you have these clever ideas of uh, of a long uh, URL, and then you realize later that it's actually impossible for people to write down. So uh, the best is probably to check me out on Twitter. I think, um, and my handle for Twitter is at Nicholas Gooden. That's N I C H O L A S G O D E N. That's a mouthful in itself. So. Yes, it is. But thank <laughs> you so much for coming on the show. And then uh, let's uh, let's talk about some of your projects on another episode. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. I'd really, really be very happy with that. Great. Well, thank you. And we are at the end of another episode of Street Focus. Please head over to thisweekinphoto.com slash street to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode and upload your image for the new street challenge humor on the streets uh, entries close on April 28th and if you enjoy the show please share on social media and leave a rating on iTunes my name is Valérie Jardin and you've been listening to Street Focus now it's time to grab your camera and hit the streets <laughs> <laughs>